1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an
0: option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 24, The Oath of the III. Last time on the Fan of History, the Assyrian expansion was temporarily halted at the Battle of Karkar in 853 BC. Shalmaneser III was stopped by the League of Kings, led by Hadad of Aram Damascus. Well, Dan, seems like um, somebody tucked his tail and had to walk back home.
2: Yeah, well, if you ask Shalmaneser III, he's returning home victorious. Oh, I'm sure that's what he says. After Kakar, telling people about bridges made of corpses and stuff. <laughs> yes. Corpse he, weirdly bridges. enough, returns to Nineveh. Nineveh is one of the three ancient uh, Assyrian cities that has been around since before the year 2000 BC. Wow. Okay. And this is pretty strange because his father spent most of his life building the new capital, at Kala. But uh, so doesn't even go there. And uh, I don't have an explanation for that at this hmm. point. And that's a lot of effort by Dad that he ignores. So he goes but... to Nineveh.
3: I wonder if it was to replenish his troops so when he goes to someplace bigger, he doesn't look uh, as beaten.
2: This is not as, this is not far away from Kala, so I think it's, it, it is in the heartland and uh, I think okay. people would know. Uh, but maybe he has to work on his uh, story about the Battle of Karkar <laughs> <laughs> and all the good scribes are in Nineveh or something <laughs> Right. <like that. laughs> but he receives uh, uh, news from uh, the south, and we mentioned this two episodes ago that there is a civil war raging in Babylonia. Right. So while um, this has been going on while Shalmaneser III was in Syria. So the great old king of Babylon died in 855 BC. He was nabu apla idina mm-hmm. Succession is disputed. There are two sons of the old king that claim the throne. A war of brothers. Marduk.
3: <laughs> I say our history is is fraught with wars of brothers.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't help that these uh, uh, Mesopotamian kings, they have a number of wives and a huge number of sons. (laughs) So, they don't feel very close to each other. Marduk Sakir Shumi is the designated heir and the one that's supposed to inherit Babylonia. But Marduk Bel-Usati, he has stronger support from all the power factions in Babylonia and civil war is ravaging the land. And remember the Chaldeans? Mm -hmm. Or the Chaldeans? I don't know what the English pronunciation of the name is. I think I've heard it Chaldeans. Okay, let's go with that. Correct me when I'm wrong. The Chaldeans, they moved into the sea land, which are the marches south of... at the very... where the (laughs) the Euphrates and the Tigris River enters the Indian Ocean. Okay. And uh, they are pretty strong down there and pretty hard to do anything about. And they are uh, entering Babylonian politics. And they are on the side of the usurper!
3: Dun, dun, dun.
2: Also the old ruling barbarians, the Kassites, <laughs> who still keep together and could be identified as tribes still, they are also on the side of the usurper. So it looks bad for Marduk Sakishumi, but so, remember uh-huh. that Nabu Apli Idina, he made a pact with Shalmaneser III. When Shalmaneser III took over power in Assyria, right. he immediately made this pact and made peace on his southern borders. So he could go beat up everybody else. Sure. And I think that in this pact, there was a clause that you have to help my son become the king of Babylonia if there is a problem so Marduk Sakishumi calls on Shalmaneser III and says help me my <laughs> brother is taking all my country so and, uh,
3: okay <clears throat> I, was about, I was just thinking just, you know he, he comes back from the war where he looks like he got his butt kicked a little bit not fully and then gets this word that he has to go uh, help some brat <laughs> take over the throne. Yeah, with his own country. Right. Uh, okay.
2: So far, that hasn't happened in Assyria. All the, uh, the line of Assyrian kings is over a thousand years old at this point. Right. So people will not contest Assyrian succession at this time. Okay. And imagine how big a step this is for Marduk sakeshumi because you're calling in the most violent (laughs) (laughs) warlike nation in the world (laughs) to come down to your big rich cities and please don't take anything, just
3: kill the usurpers. Right, you're inviting the bull into your china shop,
2: is what you're (laughs) saying. And when you're done uh, putting me on the throne, please go home. And you will have my <laughs> eternal gratitude. <laughs> yes.
3: Come in here, spend your resources, kill people for me, then, you know, just just
2: leave. That, that's what we want. <laughs> so I imagine the Assyrian nobles and uh, generals and stuff look at Shalmaneser III to see what, what is he going to do. And Shalmaneser III boldly states that, whoa, I have an alliance. I will honor it. And for the first time since his great grandfather, Assyria will now send the royal army straight into Babylonia. Wow. But before we talk about that, we have to go back to the Mediterranean. Okay. With the Assyrians gone, uh, the League of Kings cannot hold.
3: (laughs) There's no common threat.
2: Yeah, and to understand the next events in uh, in southern Syria and the Levant, we have to look before the Battle of Karkar. Of course, to simplify things, I didn't mention this before, but... Um, uh, Aram Damascus in Israel has already fought twice before the Battle of Karkar. Okay. And the years for these battles are unclear. They are both in the Bible, and the Bible is our biggest source for these fights. Uh, first, Hadad actually invades Israel and lays siege to the capital. And this wow. might have been the first plan of Hadad to solve the Assyrian problem. Because Assy- at the time the III was having victories in the north of Syria. Right. So maybe Hadad just wanted to destroy Israel, take everything and form a stronger kingdom to resist the Assyrians.
3: Or maybe he was just
2: greedy. Sorry. I I can see the logic both ways. (laughs) But according to the Bible, something really weird happens. Because this first attack is stopped by a small force of young retainers of district governors. There is a prophet telling them that uh, do this and the uh, Damascus army will fail and uh, they did and they did some sort of ninja mission and it stopped the entire <laughs> the entire wow. siege and Hadadugas had to go back to Damascus it's pretty weird it's in Kings uh, 20 that's interesting okay yeah and uh, there seems to have been a problem with the Damascus army because, like uh, the king of Assyria, uh, Hadad Ezer has a lot of vassals. And after this first attack, he conquers his vassals. He makes his vassals provinces, or some of them provinces with governors, more okay. under direct Damascus control. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he comes back and tries to do the same stunt, but this time he's stopped by the Israel army. Uh, before he can even get to Samaria. So there's been two invasions of Israel, and they both failed. Uh, The king of Israel is Ahab, the son of Omri. He is probably the second king ever of Israel. And he's married to Jezebel. Mm -hmm. And he's then uh, most renowned in the Bible as being a heathen, a worshipper of Phoenician gods. And in Kings 1630 he is referred to as more evil than all the kings. So he gets a lot of bad press. Wow. (laughs) Yes. So this is the the typical pagan king of Israel, pretty much. Uh, He has two sons and a daughter, Ahaziah, Yehoram and Athaliah. And now we are in Kings 1629 (laughs) and Kings to Kings 2040. Uh, There's also been a find in Israel at this time. Uh, A large alabaster vase was found in Samaria uh, that has the cartouches of uh, Ossokon II. So it was probably a gift from the Pharaoh. Wow, okay. And this is also one of the things... uh, After 884 BC, these things tend to pop up in Israel. Real archaeological finds proving there is a kingdom in Israel.
3: Hmm, okay.
2: That seems like it would be an expensive gift. Yeah, and it also proves then that the II actually had some interest in the area. We know that uh, the Egyptians were trading with Byblos, but that, right. uh, that he actually sent something to the, to Israel is uh, is interesting.
3: I guess it kind of lends a little more credence to Egypt at least having a token presence at the Battle of Karkar.
2: yeah. It is very possible. So then the Battle of Karkar happened. And then we are in the same year, 853 BC. So immediately after uh, the battle, uh, Ahab and Jehovah uh, uh, that's some sort of biblical person. I should know who that is. It goes to Jehoshaphat. Yeah, Jehoshaphat. That's yeah. good. It goes to recover Ramoth Gilead, and Ramoth Gilead should be in the hands of uh, Aram Damascus. But there is a prophecy that Ahab will die in this battle. So if, if anybody else holds Ramoth Gilead, it is sort of close to the Damascus border. I don't know who would, but they, they are recovering Ramoth Gilead from some unnamed enemy. But this prophet Micaiah, he says that Ahab will die in battle. So Ahab disguises himself as a foot soldier and leaves command to this other guy. Okay. But while disguised as a foot soldier, he dies randomly to an unaimed arrow. <laughs> and the Bible is very <laughs> graphic here and telling that dogs and pigs lick his blood. And that's apparently very bad. So uh, Ahab got this punishment from the Lord. For his pagan ways. <laughs> okay. So, still in the same year as the Battle of Karkar, Israel gets a new king, his eldest son Ahaziah. And Ahaziah has is credited with a strange trading project together with the Kingdom of Judah, but the Kingdom of Judah doesn't seem to exist. The dating of the Kingdom of Judah is really problematic. But the first archaeological finds are in the 8th century BC. So my interpretation is that Judah is, is not a kingdom at all, and it's it could be a vassal state of Israel, it could be just a part of Israel, or actually it could be under someone else's control, but it's, um, yeah, I can tell you a lot about this trading project and it probably didn't happen.
3: Hmm.
2: Okay. Uh, there are, like, these pictures of all these kings of Israel, and they are probably made much, much later. But Ahaziah is always depicted as very young, and that's that's not a good sign, because you can see on these uh, drawings that if somebody's old, then they will probably have a long reign, and if they're young, they, they're uh. not going to have that. <laughs> no. In the next year, uh, there is trouble in Israel because Moab revolts against Israel. Moab was a vassal state that Omri conquered Ahab's father. And Moab is a really small land on the other side of the Dead Sea, on the east side of the Dead Sea. (laughs) That is the the bad side of the Dead Sea. (laughs) And they pay their tribute to Israel in the forms of uh, ram's wool and lambs. And this, this king has the title King Mesha, the shepherd. But that might be religious. That that seems
3: very religious in nature. But it
2: seems to be a kingdom of uh, goat herders, pretty much. Uh, Weirdly enough, King Mesha of Moab is very much a historic person because he has left a monument, the Mesha Stele. And we'll talk more about that in the next uh, decade. Okay. But here the, the shepherd king of Moab wants to be free from Israel. So, he goes north and claims the north-south route, uh, almost all the way to Jericho. And his monument tells us that he gained more grazing land for his sheep. <laughs> <laughs> this is really the, the herder king of Moab.
3: I'm going to conquer lands so my sheep can eat.
2: Yes, and this situation is unresolved. Israel can't uh, handle this at this time. Probably because of pressure from Damascus, and Damascus is probably very happy to see uh, Moab revolt. Right. And, and then something really strange happens because Ahaziah is in his palace, and he has been sending messengers to the Philistine city of Ekron. The Philistines—they are further south along the coast—and uh, control five cities uh, that are close to Egypt. And Ahaziah sent messengers to the city of Ekron to consult a god called Baal Zebab. this is not what you want to be doing if you're a king of Israel. (laughs) So the prophets of Yahweh says that the king will surely die for this sin. And uh, somehow Ahaziah managed to fall out the window from his upper floor in the palaces and uh, is crushed to death so maybe he was pushed by Yahweh loyalists or something but he dies only a year after he became the king of israel
3: hence the young pictures
2: yes and his younger brother jehoram takes over the throne and he looks very old (laughs) okay (laughs) on his but they, they are all, uh, both Yoram and Ahaziah are then sons of Jezebel. So Jezebel is still around as okay. a widow. And she is uh, probably quite influential. She upholds the relations with Tyre. And she has a strong influence on her sons. And she is much blamed for this, this, heathen, this pagan practices. Now why is she getting the bad rap? Yeah, because she's so obviously Phoenician. She's the daughter of a Phoenician uh, priest uh, who became king. And she she's like the icon of Phoenician influence in Israel. And this might become a problem for poor Jezebel. Yeah.
3: History does uh, not look kindly upon Jezebel.
2: No, definitely not. <laughs> I want to talk a little more about the Philistines. Okay. Uh, We talked about them in the 10th century BC. They were actually attacked by Pharaoh Siamun in their city of uh, Gaza. They have five cities on the southern coast, uh, the the eastern coast of the Mediterranean to the south. They are Ashdod, Askelon, Gaza, Ekron and Gath. They were probably one of the Sea Peoples uh, and involved very much in the Bronze Age Collapse 1200 BC. Uh, They've been around there since then, and they have sort of been assimilated by the original Canaanite culture of the area, and Baal Sebab, this god of theirs, seems to be a Canaanite god. uh, They had a few years of being a great trading power, uh, power, but now The Hebrews and the Phoenicians are doing more trade and the Philistines are sort of on the decline. But they're there and they will um, be involved in the story, i.e. conquered by Assyria later. Gotcha. Oh, we have something from India. What? India? I'm I'm still looking for anything from India. So if you know anything that is reliably dated, please tell me. Uh, Because India doesn't get writing until much, much later and everything is unclear about India. Uh, But it seems that around this time, there is a non-Aryan tribe that attacks the kingdom of Kuru in North India. And this shifts uh, the main power in uh, the north of India to the kingdom of Panchala, which becomes like the major Aryan kingdom in North India. We are in Vedic times in India, and this is like (laughs) pre-everything in India. Okay. Uh, Kuru survives, but Panchala is now the major player. Okay, let's get back to Assyria.
3: Okay. What's going on with Shalmaneser?
2: Apparently Shalmaneser wasted a year uh, recovering from from, um, (laughs) the Battle of Karkar, but in 851 the army is gathered. And he will fulfill his promise. So he invades Babylonia. And if you are in the middle of a civil war, the Babylonians were never great fighters. Right. So even if they were united, it is unclear if they could resist. And they have uh, big cities with uh, huge walls, So, but the Assyrians are good at the besieging stuff. Mm-hmm. But now the Babylonians are, uh, are fighting a civil war. So Marduk bel the usurper, is then supposed to both defeat his brother and the best army in the world. And uh, that is a hard task. And Shadmaneser has good intel here, so he knows where Marduk bel is. And he attacks the Diyal region and besieges the rebel in the city of Gananati. But the barbarian tribes, the Kassites and the Chaldeans, they show up and uh, defend the city, together with the usurper. And by the end of the campaigning season, the Third has failed to take the city. And uh, wow. the rebellion goes on. And Chalmaneser has to go back to Assyria because, remember, it's not a professional army. These people have to go back and do farming and stuff. Right. But he makes sure that the Babylonians can't do any farming near the city of Ganonatis, so he destroys the countryside and swears to return and uh, take the life of this usurper. Right. So the civil war is still going on.
3: (laughs) That's a long civil war.
2: Yeah, they've been at it for four years now.
3: Crazy. Uh,
2: North of Assyria there is the young kingdom of Urartu, now 10 years old. And they are still reeling from the blows that Chalmanister III gave them and his mm-hmm. father before him. But now the Assyrians are nowhere to be seen. So they are, like, coming out of their mountains and <laughs> where are the Assyrians? They seem to be elsewhere. Right. And they, have just, out. <laughs> they just build. They... They have this time and they use it very efficiently. Using the Assyria as a model, they get industry going. They have metalworking. They build a lot of stuff. They write and they still write in Assyrian script and language. And they seem to have enormous resources in these mountains. So they go into construction flurry, and they just the kingdom is being created very quickly. Wow, And the idea is that when the Assyrians come back, because the Assyrians will come back, they are sure of it. uh, Right. They will try to hold them out with a chain of mountain fortresses. Really? Yeah, the question is then, will Shalmaneser III be stopped or will he just go on a a demolition tour through (laughs) Urartu again? He has already destroyed two capitals for Urartu.
3: I would suspect uh, that he's not going to take kindly to people saying they can withstand him.
2: That's uh, that's a likely interpretation. But when the royal army is gathered in 850 BC, Shalmanes III thinks of only one thing. He has to take out the usurper in Babylonia. So he goes back to the city of Gananati in the Diyal region. But when he shows up, uh, nobody's there the usurper has fled (laughs) he's like i'm not gonna do that again wow okay and he's actually fled to a place called arman i think this is outside of babylonia he's gone into the kassite lands and up into the the mountains of iran but shalmanister comes after him (laughs) he's like you are not getting away this time usurper and he actually uh, forces the usurper to take a stand in Armand. And uh, he just crushes him. So the Assyrians win a decisive victory. And Marduk Belusati is killed in the fighting. So the wow. usurper is dead. So he's going to, he, so he did it. Held up yes, his in he did the bargain. It. And from Arman, he could just go straight back to Assyria, but he turns the army around and marches the army to Babylon. To the great city of Babylon itself. Where the the legitimate king of Babylon is pretty scared at this point, I
3: would think. Because the uh, Shamanasar is only one more death away from pretty much claiming
2: Babylonia. Yes. And when he comes to Babylon, he announces that uh, We won! You are now the king of Marduk-Sakishumi. You are now the king of Babylon. And I wish to pay homage to the Babylonian gods. So, Shalmanes III goes around to Borsippa, Babylon and Kutha, makes the proper sacrifices to the Babylonian gods, and he calls for a great uh, party to celebrate this victory. And all the important Babylonians show up. uh, All the sort of native Babylonians that were on the side of Marduk Sakishumi. And they have a great party and Shalmaneser gives them gifts. Incredible. And he doesn't conquer anything.
3: I was about to say, this seems very much not like him.
2: But there was an oath taken and he will uh, obey his oath. So very honorable of Shalmaneser III. No kidding. And there's actually a depiction of this event. Uh, as I said before, we have extensive records of Shalmaneser III's reign, and he's very proud of this accomplishment. And this is actually the only depiction of a foreign king being an equal of an Assyrian king. So the picture shows uh, Shalmaneser III and Marduk Sakushumi, like uh, uh, showing affection towards each other and being brothers. Wow. And that's... then Marduk Sakashumi <laughs> goes, Okay, thank you, Shalmaneser III. Uh, have a happy voyage back to Assyria. And Shalmaneser III says, No, I'm not going back yet. I need to do one more thing. Oh, no. And Marduk Sakashumi <laughs> goes, Oh, that's that one thing. And then Shalmaneser turns the army south and goes into the sea land because he felt that the, Chalde- the Chaldeans were a very important player in this and that they had to be punished. And the Chaldeans in the Sealand were sort of relying on their marches and the in inex- uh, the, 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 their land being hard to invade. Right. But Shalmaneser III just invades it and plunders all the Chaldean tribes. Wow. And they have been sitting there for 50 years controlling the trade routes. So they have like all this undocumented wealth they didn't tell the king of Babylon about. Uh-huh. And this is the first major mention of the Chaldeans. But uh, Shalmaneser III pretty much crushes them and uh, forces them to swear uh, fealty to Marduk Sakishumi. So Marduk Sakishumi is pro- probably <laughs> all amazed. He's like, oh. Thank you again, Sheldon <laughs> oh,
3: Wow, they just went above and beyond our agreement. That's
2: that's great. <laughs> uh, the Kassites, uh, they managed to avoid punishment this time. Okay. But they are disheartened by the events in Babylon. Their influence is much reduced. They used to rule Babylon for a long time. And they now have an independent country, the land of Namri, it's in uh, it's east of Babylonia in the foothills of the Zagros Mountains in Iran. Mm-hmm. and uh, This is uh, a kingdom in itself, but the Kassites are still in Babylonia, so yeah, their, their relationship to, uh, to Babylonia is pretty complicated, but they have this independent land and influence in, in Babylonia. But to the north, in the northern Zagros Mountains, okay. People are now noticing them that okay, the Assyrians have beaten up Urartu to the north, mm-hmm. north Syria, southern Syria. They've been in Babylon, and uh, the only place they haven't gone to really is east. And Ashurnasirpal II went east, so the tribes of the northern Zagros Mountains unite as well, much like the Urartians, but not as successfully, into a kingdom. The kingdom of Mania. And this happens probably this very year. It's another kingdom formed by Assyrian pressure.
3: That's what's going to happen. When there is an overwhelming force. All the little people.
2: Yes. And the Manian kingdom actually turns quite powerful. Uh, It's unclear where what these people are. Uh, I, I don't think they are Indo-Europeans and they are actually tired of the Indo-European migrations and they seem to have some sort of influence, even maybe conquest, over the Persians and the Medes who are Indo-Europeans. Uh, their language is related to the urartian language and the Hurrian language. The Hurrians are long gone at this time and there is no modern equivalent of their language. Uh, They're mainly a settled people, but they control these horse tribes that have come in uh, during the the Indo-European migration. Okay. They have irrigation. uh, They have uh, breeding. uh, uh, They do a lot of breeding of cattle and horses. So they they could feel cavalry and uh, are probably quite good at it. They have a capital called Isirtu or Sirta. And it's really heavily fortified, because they they look at what Urartu has done and they (laughs) try to do the same thing. Gotcha. So, So they definitely expect an Assyrian attack anytime. And I think it's interesting that the Persians and the Medes are around and are under the influence of this kingdom. Because the Persians and the Medes, of course, will be super important much later in our story. Gotcha. And that finally is it for the eight fifties BC. Ooh, that's pretty
3: crazy. It seems
2: gotcha. like. the <laughs> II still has 20 years to go as a super competent general. <laughs> that's and then amazing. a couple more years as something else.
3: What I what I find interesting is the what has happened between this episode and the last episode. You know, there's that whole boastful you know making up stuff about a battle he probably didn't win taking some time off comes back and then really digs in to honor his oath it's almost like he has to prove to himself that he can still do it because he's doing his normal campaigns oh they're going up against me i have to go stop them so you know all this bluster Drives really far into the Mediterranean, you know, does not, is not successful, but then he finds a certain amount of success here. And yeah, remember
2: that he failed in the first year to stop the rebellion.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is some some serious blows to his ego.
2: (laughs) Yes, but in the end, he has followed his oath, he has restored the rightful king to Babylon.
3: Yep, he did it, and now he seems to feel. He seems to take more joy in this than any other of his major battles.
2: And the question is, what does he do next? I don't know. And remember, he will fight 34 wars. Oh shall so there is some stuff that remains to be done.
3: That's a lot of wars. All right. So what are we going to talk about on our next episode, Dan?
2: Well... There are enemies in every direction now, except the south. <laughs> uh, so can Shalmaneser III save the empire, or can he expand it? He liked hmm. to uh, outperform dad, and he's still living a bit in the shadow of his super-powerful father, Ashwin the II. Right. And uh, something will happen in Israel. The Omri dynasty and Jezebel will meet horrible ends at the hands of the Lord or at the hands of someone else. Someone <laughs> I will actually blame for inventing David and Solomon. So that's quite controversial. I was
3: about to say. Uh-oh. Yeah. Dan's leaning, if, leaning towards blasphemy. Yeah, but.
2: <laughs> If David and Solomon are Legendary figures. Uh, This is the guy who uh, uh, Yeah, made up those legends probably So we're gonna meet a new guy in Israel who uh, whose name you'll probably recognize Okay,
3: now I'm intrigued. I can't wait to find out All right, everybody, please go to our YouTube page YouTube slash fan of history Subscribe, and like, and please share. You got to know somebody who would find these fascinating. Give us a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. The reviews actually help us out.
2: Yeah, please we- do. We are uh, The uh, listenership of this podcast is steadily growing, and we're doing fine. But we still don't have any iTunes reviews, pretty <laughs> much. Very little, so please right. make iTunes reviews. One of the things, just some insight for anyone
3: out there, Apple will look at our reviews as well. The more reviews and, you know, positive positive hits we get, we become what's called featured. And once that happens, they actually advertise for us to bring more listeners. The more listeners, you know, we'd like to think we have a, a huge audience that we put on this for, and we really want to thank you for listening. But if you could help us out just a little bit, go ahead and give
2: us a review. Can so- I say something about Patreon? Sure, please. Uh, Patreon.com slash history is where you can donate to us. You can set any amount per episode we complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you do that, it would help a lot. We are trying to reach a goal of $30 per episode. And... If we can reach that goal, we will proceed beyond 701 BC, but if we can't, we'll, uh, the, the last episode will be about the destruction of Sennacherib, and then we have to re but hopefully the goal is to reach $30 before we get to 701 BC. That's probably at least 40 episodes away, but uh, if you like us, please donate to us.
3: We would really appreciate it. And on that note, for this week, I am Brennan. I'm Dom. And we really appreciate you listening. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon.
1: Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.